0: Section 2 of Part 2 of Religious Affections This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Matthew James Gray mjgray.id.au Religious Affections by Jonathan Edwards section two of part two three it is no sign that affections are truly gracious affections or that they are not that they cause those who have them to be fluent fervent and abundant in talking of the things of religion there are many persons who if they see this in others are greatly prejudiced against them their being so full of talk is with them a sufficient ground to condemn them as Pharisees and ostentatious hypocrites. On the other hand, there are many who, if they see this effect in any, are very ignorantly and imprudently forward, at once to determine that they are the true children of God, and are under the saving influences of his spirit, and speak of it as a great evidence of a new creature. They say, Such a one's mouth is now opened. He used to be slow to speak, but now he is full and free he is free now to open his heart and tell his experiences and declare the praises of god it comes from him as free as water from a fountain and the like and especially are they captivated into a confident and undoubting persuasion that they are savingly wrought upon if they are not only free and abundant but very affectionate and earnest in their talk but this is the fruit of but little judgment A scanty and short experience, as the events do abundantly show, and is a mistake persons often run into, through their trusting to their own wisdom and discerning, and making their own notions their rule instead of the Holy Scripture. Though the Scripture be full of rules, both how we should judge of our own state, and also how we should be conducted in our opinion of others, yet we have nowhere any rule, by which to judge ourselves or others to be in a good estate from any such effect, for this is but the religion of the mouth and of the tongue, and what is in the scripture represented by the leaves of a tree, which, though the tree ought not to be without them, yet are nowhere given as evidence of the goodness of the tree. The persons are disposed to be abundant in talking of things of religion may be from a good cause, and it may be from a bad one. It may be because their hearts are very full of holy affections, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And it may be because persons' hearts are very full of religious affection, which is not holy, for still out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. It is very much the nature of the affections, of whatever kind they be, and whatever objections they are exercised about, if they are strong, to dispose persons to be very much in speaking of that which they are affected with, and not only to speak much, but to speak very earnestly and fervently. And therefore, persons talking abundantly and very fervently about the things of religion can be an evidence of no more than this, that they are very much affected with the things of religion. And this may be, as has been already shown, and there be no grace. That which men are greatly affected with While the high affection lasts, they will be earnestly engaged about, and will be likely to show that earnestness in their talk and behaviour, as the greater part of the Jews in all Judah and Galilee did for a while, about John the Baptist's preaching and baptism, when they were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. A mighty ado was made all over the land and among all sorts of persons about this great prophet and his ministry, And so the multitude in like manner often manifested a great earnestness, a mighty engagedness of spirit in everything that was external about Christ and his preaching and miracles, being astonished at his doctrine, anon with joy receiving the word, following him sometimes night and day, leaving meat, drink and sleep to hear him, once following him into the wilderness, fasting three days going to hear him, sometimes crying him up to the cloud, saying, Never man spake like this man, being fervent and earnest in what they said. But what did these things come to, in the greater part of them? A person may be overfull of talk of his own experiences, commonly falling upon it everywhere and in all companies, and when it is so, it is rather a dark sign than a good one. As a tree that is overfull of leaves seldom bears much fruit, and as a cloud, though to appearance very pregnant and full of water, if it brings with it overmuch wind, seldom affords much rain to the dry and thirsty earth. Which very thing the Holy Spirit is pleased several times to make use of, to represent a great show of religion with the mouth, without answerable fruit in the life. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 24 Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift, is like clouds and wind without rain. And the Apostle Jude, speaking of some in the primitive times that crept in unawares among the saints, and having a great show of religion, where for a while not suspected, these are clouds, says he, without water, carried about of winds. Jude, verses 4 and 12. And the Apostle Peter, speaking of the same, says to Peter, chapter 2, verse 17, These are clouds without water, carried with a tempest. False affections, if they are equally strong, are much more forward to declare themselves than true, because it is the nature of false religion to affect show and observation, as it was with the Pharisees. 4. It is no sign that affections are gracious, or that they are otherwise, that persons did not make them themselves or excite them of their own contrivance, and by their own strength. There are many in these days that condemn all affections, which are excited in a way that the subjects of them can give no account of, as not seeming to be the fruit of any of their own endeavours, or the natural consequences of the faculties and principles of human nature, in such circumstances, and under such means, but to be from the influence of some extrinsic and supernatural power upon their minds. How greatly has the doctrine of the inward experience or sensible perceiving of the immediate power and operation of the Spirit of God been reproached and ridiculed by many of late. They say the manner of the Spirit of God is to cooperate in a silent, secret, and undiscernible way with the use of means and our own endeavors, so that there is no distinguishing by sense between the influences of the Spirit of God and the natural operations of the faculties of our own minds. And it is true that for any to expect to receive the saving influences of the Spirit of God while they neglect a diligent improvement of the appointed means of grace is unreasonable presumption, and to expect that the Spirit of God will savingly operate upon their minds without the Spirit's making use of means as subservient to the effect is enthusiastical it is also undoubtedly true that the spirit of god is very various in the manner and circumstances of his operations and that sometimes he operates in a way more secret and gradual and from smaller beginnings than at others but if there be indeed a power entirely different from and beyond our power or the power of all means and instruments and above the power of nature which is requisite in order to the production of saving grace in the heart according to the general profession of the country then certainly it is in no wise unreasonable to suppose that this effect should very frequently be produced after such a manner as to make it very manifest apparent and sensible that it is so if grace be indeed owing to the powerful and efficacious operation of an extrinsic agent or divine efficient out of ourselves, why is it unreasonable to suppose it should seem to be so to them who are the subjects of it? Is it a strange thing that it should seem to be as it is? When grace in the heart indeed is not produced by our strength, nor is the effect of the natural power of our own faculties, or any means or instruments, but is properly the workmanship and production of the Spirit of the Almighty, Is it a strange and unaccountable thing that it should seem to them who are subjects of it agreeable to truth and not right contrary to truth? So that if persons tell of effects that they are conscious to in their own minds that seem to them not to be from the natural power or operation of their minds, but from the supernatural power of some other agent, it should at once be looked upon as a sure evidence of their being under a delusion, because things seem to be to them as they are? For this is the objection which is made. It is looked upon as a clear evidence that the apprehensions and affections that many persons have are not really from such a cause, because they seem to them to be from that cause. They declare that what they are conscious of seems to them evidently not to be from themselves, but from the mighty power of the Spirit of God, and others from hence condemn them and determine what they experience is not, from the spirit of god but from themselves or from the devil thus unreasonably are multitudes treated at this day by their neighbours if it be indeed so as the scripture abundantly teaches that grace in the soul is so the effect of god's power that it is fitly compared to those effects which are farthest from being owing to any strength in the subject such as a generation or a being begotten and resurrection or a being raised from the dead, and creation, or a being brought out of nothing into being, and that it is an effect wherein the mighty power of God is greatly glorified, and the exceeding greatness of his power is manifested, then what account can be given of it that the Almighty, in so great a work of his power, should so carefully hide his power, that the subjects of it should be able to discern nothing of it, Or what reason or revelation have any to determine that he does so? If we may judge by the scripture, this is not agreeable to God's manner, in his operations and dispensations. But on the contrary, it is God's manner, in the great works of his power and mercy, which he works for his people, to order things so as to make his hand visible, and his power conspicuous, and men's dependence on him most evident, That no flesh should glory in his presence that God alone might be exalted and that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of man and that Christ's power might be manifested in our weakness and none might say, Mine own hand hath saved me. So it was in most of those temporal salvations which God wrought for Israel of old which were types of the salvation of God's people from their spiritual enemies. So it was in the redemption of Israel from their Egyptian bondage. He redeemed them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and that his power might be the more conspicuous. He suffered Israel first to be brought into the most helpless and forlorn circumstances. So it was in the great redemption by Gideon. God would have his army diminished to a handful, and they without any other arms than trumpets and lamps and earthen pitchers. So it was in the deliverance of Israel from Goliath by a stripling with a sling and a stone. So it was in that great work of God, his calling the Gentiles and converting the heathen world after Christ's ascension. After that, the world by wisdom knew not God and all the endeavors and philosophers had proved in vain for many ages to reform the world and it was by everything become abundantly evident that the world was utterly helpless by anything else but the mighty power of God. And so it was in most of the conversions of particular persons we have an account of in the history of the New Testament. They were not wrought on in that silent, secret, gradual and insensible manner which is now insisted on, but with those manifest evidences of a supernatural power, wonderfully and suddenly causing a great change, which in these days are looked upon as certain signs of delusion and enthusiasm. The apostle in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 speaks of God's enlightening the minds of Christians and so bringing them to believe in Christ to the end that they might know the exceeding greatness of his power to them who believe. The words are the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us ward who believe according to the work of his mighty power, etc. Now, when the apostle speaks of their being thus the subjects of his power in their enlightening and effectual calling to the end that they might know what his mighty power was to them who believe he can mean nothing else then that they might know by experience. But if the saints know this power by experience, then they feel it, and discern it, and are conscious of it, as sensibly distinguishable from the natural operations of their own minds, which is not agreeable to a motion of gods operating so secretly and undiscernibly that it cannot be known that they are the subjects of the influence of any extrinsic power at all, any otherwise, than as they may argue it from scripture assertions, which is a different thing from knowing it by experience. So that it is very unreasonable and unscriptural to determine that affections are not from the gracious operations of God's Spirit, because they are sensibly not from the persons themselves that are the subjects of them. On the other hand, it is no evidence that affections are gracious that they are not properly produced by those who are the subjects of them, or that they arise in their minds in a manner they cannot account for. There are some who make this an argument in their own favor. When speaking of what they have experienced, they say, I am sure I did not make it myself. It was a fruit of no contrivance or endeavor of mine. It came when I thought nothing of it. If I might have the world for it, I cannot make it again when I please. And hence they determine that what they have experienced must be from the mighty influence of the Spirit of God, and is of a saving nature but very ignorantly and without grounds. What they have been the subjects of may indeed not be from themselves directly, but may be from the operation of an invisible agent, some spirit besides their own. But it does not thence follow that it was from the spirit of God. There are other spirits who have influence on the minds of men besides the Holy Ghost. We are directed not to believe every spirit, but to try the spirits, whether they be of God. There are many false spirits exceeding busy with men who often transform themselves into angels of light and do in many wonderful ways with great subtlety and power mimic the operations of the Spirit of God. And there are many of Satan's operations which are very distinguishable from the voluntary exercises of men's own minds. They are so in those dreadful and horrid suggestions and blasphemous injunctions with which he follows many persons and in vain and fruitless frights and terrors which he is the author of. And the power of Satan may be as immediate and as evident in false comforts and joys as in terrors and horrid suggestions, and oftentimes is so in fact. It is not in men's power to put themselves in such raptures as the Anabaptists in Germany and many other raving enthusiasts like them have been the subjects of. And besides, It is to be considered that persons may have those impressions on their minds which may not be of their own producing, nor from an evil spirit, but from the Spirit of God, and yet not be from any saving, but a common influence of the Spirit of God, and the subjects of such impressions may be of the number of those we read of. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 That are once enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift, and are made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and taste the word of God, and the power of the world to come, and yet may be wholly unacquainted with those better things that accompany salvations, have spoken of verse 9. And where neither a good nor evil spirit have any immediate hand, persons especially such as are of a weak and vapory habit of body, and the brain weak, and easily susceptible of impressions may have strange apprehensions and imaginations and strong affections attending them unaccountably arising which are not voluntarily produced by themselves we see that such persons are liable to such impressions about temporal things and there is equal reason why they should about spiritual things as a person who is asleep has dreams that he is not the voluntary author of so may such persons in like manner be the subjects of involuntary impressions when they are awake five it is no sign that religious affections are truly holy and spiritual or that they are not that they come with texts of scripture remarkably brought to the mind it is no sign that affections are not gracious that they are occasioned by scriptures so coming to the mind provided it be the scripture itself or the truth which the scripture so brought contains and teaches that is the foundation of the affection, and not merely or mainly the sudden and unusual manner of its coming to the mind. But, on the other hand, neither is it any sign that affections are gracious, that they arise on occasion of scriptures brought suddenly and wonderfully to the mind, whether those affections be fear, or hope, joy, or sorrow, or any other. For some seem to look upon this as a good evidence that their affections are saving, especially if the affections excited are hope or joy, or any other which are pleasing and delightful. They will mention it as an evidence that all is right, that their experience came with the word, and will say, There are such and such sweet promises brought to my mind. They came suddenly, as if they were spoken to me. I had no hand in bringing such a text to my own mind. I was not thinking of anything leading to it. It came all at once, so that I was surprised i had not thought of it a long time before i did not know at first that it was scripture i did not remember that ever i had read it and it may be they will add one scripture came flowing in after another and so texts all over the bible the most sweet and pleasant and the most apt and suitable which could be devised and filled me full as i could hold i could not but stand and admire the tears flowed i was full of joy and could not doubt any longer and thus they think they have undoubted evidence that their affections must be from god and of the right kind and their state good but without any manner of grounds how came they by any such rule as that if any affections or experiences arise with promises and comfortable texts of scripture unaccountably brought to mind without their recollection or if a great number of sweet texts follow one another in a chain that this is a certain evidence their experiences are saving where is any such rule to be found in the bible the great and only sure directory in things of this nature what deceives many of the less understanding and considerate sort of people in this manner seems to be this that the scripture is the word of god and has nothing in it which is wrong but is pure and perfect and therefore those experiences which come from the Scripture must be right. But then it should be considered, affections may arise on occasion of the Scripture and not probably come from the Scripture, as the genuine fruit of the Scripture and by a right use of it, but from an abuse of it. All that can be argued from the purity and perfection of the Word of God with respect to experiences is this, that those experiences which are agreeable to the word of God are right and cannot be otherwise, and not that those affections must be right which arise on occasion of the word of God coming to the mind. What evidence is there that the devil cannot bring texts of Scripture to the mind and misapply them to deceive persons? There seems to be nothing in this which exceeds the power of Satan. It is no work of such mighty power to bring sounds or letters to persons' minds, that we have any reason to suppose nothing short of omnipotence can be sufficient for it. If Satan has power to bring any words or sounds at all to persons' minds, he may have power to bring words contained in the Bible. There is no higher sort of power required in men to make the sounds which express the words of a text of Scripture than to make the sounds which express the words of an idle story or song. And so the same power in Satan, which is sufficient to renew one of those kinds of sounds in the mind, is sufficient to renew the other. The different signification, which depends wholly on custom, alters not the case as to ability to make or revive the sounds or letters. Or will any suppose that texts or scriptures are such sacred things that the devil durst not abuse them, nor touch them? In this also they are mistaken, He who is bold enough to lay hold on Christ himself and carry him hither and thither into the wilderness and into a high mountain and to a pinnacle of the temple is not afraid to touch the scripture and abuse that for his own purpose. As he showed at the same time that he was so bold with Christ, he then brought one scripture and another to deceive and tempt him. And if Satan did presume and was permitted to put Christ himself in mind of texts of Scripture to tempt him, what reason have we determined that he dare not, or will not be permitted, to put wicked men in the minds of texts of Scripture to tempt and deceive them? And if Satan may thus abuse one text of Scripture, so he may another. Its being a very excellent place of Scripture, a comfortable and precious promise, alters not the case as to his courage and ability, and if he can bring one comfortable text to the mind so he may a thousand and may choose out such scriptures as tend most to serve his purpose and may heap up scripture promises tending according to the perverse application he makes of them wonderfully to remove the rising doubts and to confirm the false joy and confidence of a poor deluded sinner we know the devil's instruments corrupt and heretical teachers Can and do pervert the scripture to their own and others damnation. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 16. We see they have the free use of scripture in every part of it. There is no text so precious and sacred, but they are permitted to abuse it to the eternal ruin of multitudes of souls. And there are no weapons they make use of with which they do more execution and there is no manner of reason to determine that the devil is not permitted thus to use the scripture as well as his instruments. For when the latter do it, they do it as his instruments and servants, and through his instigation and influence, and doubtless he does the same he instigates others to do. The devil's servants do but follow their master and do the same work that he does himself. And as the devil can abuse the scripture, To deceive and destroy men so may men's own folly and corruptions as well the sin which is in men acts like its father men's own hearts are deceitful like the devil and use the same means to deceive so that it is evident that any person may have high affections of hope and joy arising on occasion of texts of scripture Yea, precious promises of Scripture coming suddenly and remarkably to their minds as though they were spoken to them. Yea, a great multitude of such texts following one another in a wonderful manner. And yet all this be no argument that these affections are divine or that they are any other than the effects of Satan's delusions. And I would further observe that persons may have raised and joyful affections which may come with the word of God and not only so, but from the Word, and those affections not be from Satan, nor yet properly from the corruptions of their own hearts, but from some influence of the Spirit of God with the Word, and yet have nothing of the nature of true and saving religion in them. Thus the stony ground hearers had great joy from the Word, yea, which is represented as arising from the Word, as growth from a seed, and their affections had in their appearance a very great an exact resemblance with those represented by the growth on the good ground, the difference not appearing until it was discovered by the consequences in a time of trial. And yet there was no saving religion in these affections. 6. It is no evidence that religious affections are saving, or that they are otherwise, that there is an appearance of love in them. There are no professing Christians who pretend that this is an argument against the truth and saving nature of religious affections. But, on the other hand, there are some who suppose it is a good evidence that affections are from the sanctifying and saving influences of the Holy Ghost. Their argument is that Satan cannot love, this affection being directly contrary to the devil, whose very nature is enmity and malice. And it is true that nothing is more excellent, heavenly and divine than a spirit of true Christian love to God and men. It is more excellent than knowledge, or prophecy, or miracles, or speaking with the tongue of men and angels. It is the chief of the graces of God's Spirit, and the life, essence, and sum of all true religion, and that by which we are most conformed to heaven, and most contrary to hell and the devil. But yet it is in arguing from hence that there are no counterfeits of it. It may be observed that the more excellent anything is, the more will be the counterfeits of it. Thus, there are many more counterfeits of silver and gold than of iron and copper. There are many false diamonds and rubies, but who goes about to counterfeit common stones? Though the more excellent things are, the more difficult it is to make anything that shall be like them in their essential nature and internal virtues. Yet the more manifold will the counterfeits be, and the more will art and subtlety be displayed in an exact imitation of the outward appearance. Thus there is the greatest danger of being cheated in buying of medicines that are most excellent and sovereign, though it be most difficult to imitate them with anything of the like value and virtue, and their counterfeits are good for nothing when we have them. So it is, with Christian virtues and graces, the subtlety of Satan and men's deceitful hearts are wont chiefly to be exercised in counterfeiting those that are in highest repute. So, there are perhaps no graces that have more counterfeits than love and humility, these being virtues wherein the beauty of a true Christian does especially appear. But with respect to love, It is plain by the scripture that persons may have a kind of religious love and yet have no saving grace. Christ speaks of many professing Christians that have such love, whose love will not continue and so shall fail of salvation. Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 and 13 And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. Which latter words plainly show that those spoken of before, whose love shall not endure to the end, but wax cold, should not be saved. Persons may seem to have love to God and Christ, yea, to have very strong and violent affections of this nature, and yet have no grace. For this was evidently the case with many graceless Jews, Such as cried Jesus up so high, following him day and night, without meat, drink, or sleep. Such as said, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest, and cried, Hosanna to the Son of David. The Apostle seems to intimate that there were many in his days who had a counterfeit love to Christ. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. The last word, in the original, signifies incorruption, which shows that the apostle was sensible that there were many who had a kind of love to Christ, whose love was not pure and spiritual. So also, Christian love to the people of God may be counterfeited. It is evident by the scripture that there may be strong affections of this kind, without saving grace, as there were in the Galatians towards the apostle Paul when they were ready to pluck out their eyes and give them to him, although the Apostle expresses his fear that their affections were come to nothing, and that he had bestowed upon them labor in vain. Galatians, chapter 4, verses 11 and 15. End of section 2 of part 2. Recording by Matthew James Gray, mjgray.id.au